<laughs> All right. Uh, hello, everybody. Glad to see that everyone's excited. Um, I'm like, man, Jordan, what the heck? Why did you say all that stuff? I'm like, I gotta, I feel pressured. But Lucas is going to come up here real quick. If y'all don't know Lucas, he is the 87th best gol- club golfer in the nation. Going, hopefully going to nationals. So top 100. Um, he's also one of my very good friends. So the verses we're going to read from, are they out there? Cool. Um, so follow along. We're basically going to not say skip, but jump from a part to another part. Okay, so here we go. That's first one. All right, so the first part, uh, First Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, see here. 21 through 23, and then we're going to go chapter 4 through 2. So, so then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And so we'll then skip to 4, 7 through 13. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast of, of as though you did not? Already you, all, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour we grow hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated, we are homeless. We work hard with our hands, when we are cursed we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have begun the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. Sweet. Well, thank you. So who's excited, right? This is an exciting thing. Like, if you don't read this with, like, a little bit of inflection, you're like, oh, man, I am terrified. So uh, let's pray real quick, and then we'll go. Um, Jesus, we love you. God, thank you so much for, for what you want to say tonight, Lord God. I pray that you would just use me. Um, speak through me, Father God. Give me your words, Lord. Um, yeah, we love you, Lord. And I pray. Amen. So, start out. This is exciting. Um, it sounds super down, but we're going to clear this up, okay? So, start with verse 21. Just jumping right in, okay? Um, verse 21 is pretty crazy. It says... So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. It says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, blah, blah, blah. And you are Christ and Christ is God's, right? So what's cool about this is the history of the Corinthian church. Has, has anybody noticed we've had like a, like a trend lately? We've been maybe talking about the same type of maybe like verses. Yeah, First Corinthians, right? We've been talking about this church for a long time. Um, we're almost done, which is exciting. But sad part is it's almost summer. You guys aren't going to be here. But 
to me. Um, so the history, okay? You've got to look at the history real quick. Verse 21, don't, don't boast in men, right? Don't boast in Paul, Apollos, Cephas, also Peter. You can say whatever you want. Um, it's the same person. But these three guys were in this city. They were known in this city specifically as, like, religious leaders, okay? So what they were, they knew each other. <laughs> but the problem was their, like, followers didn't know each other, right? And so their followers were like, hey, you know, like, I follow Apollos. Lucas follows Paul. I come up, and I'm like, hey, Lucas, here's the deal. I follow Apollos. You follow Paul. You don't know anything. Everything you've ever thought, said, anything you've ever anything is invalid because you don't know what you're talking about because you follow him, right? I follow Apollos, so I know what I'm talking about. In fact, you're not even a Christian. I am because I follow this guy, right? And Paul, Paul wrote this letter, so keep that in mind. Him, Apollos, and Peter were, were basically friends, right? So you could think of it today as like leaders. You could think of Christopher, Sean, Jordan, right? They're guys as if this is what it would look like today. If, like, Christopher's guys came up to Sean's guys and was like, Hennick, you don't know anything, right? <laughs> and you're like, well, I thought I did. Uh, but the problem was, the big problem was that stuff was coming out of the city and into the church, okay? And what was going on in the city was this idea, Corinth is a lot like any other city, but this idea that status, right, or, like, my position um, has to do not with what I know, right, but with who I know, okay? It was a really, really big deal to them, and it was starting to become a big deal to the church, which is scary. And so they had, they basically said, you know, I follow Paul, you follow Apollos, therefore I'm in good standing with God and you're not, okay? You could think of it like, oh, this guy's like a follower of the best banker or the best baker or the best whatever in town, they are going to be the best, right? Does that make sense? So they follow the best, the best, right? But Paul's like, don't boast in men. You follow Jesus, right? You're following God. And so this, all this stuff, like, needs to be laid, like, laid aside, basically. So my friend G. Campbell Morgan, he was talking about Corinth. He told me three things. The first one, we already know this. Corinth had very little, if any, moral direction, right? It was a wicked, wicked, wicked city. Jordan talked about some stuff uh, last week about, like, this stuff that happens in these temples. It was so funny because G. Campbell Morgan mentioned it, but he was like, this cannot be said among saints or something like that. And I was like, oh, but <laughs> it was awesome. And then you, like, look at the next chapter, and, this, and Paul's like, hey, you know, you're doing stuff in the church that, like, even people in the city aren't doing this stuff, right? Like, you're doing really wicked things. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing about Corinth is they, is really actually kind of a cool thing. They, they were like some of the best poets and some of the best writers in history in, in this time. Um, Corinthian words, they talked about that like back in history. They were like, they were like really good at like debating and like arguing, right? And so that sounds cool, right? But when you think about the thing I just said, what are they arguing for? They're arguing, hey, it's okay if I do this, right? It's okay that I, like, like all this stuff, like, you can see throughout the whole book what they're getting into. It's not good. It's really, really evil. It's really, really wicked. And so they're arguing for it, right? And so they're making a, a defense for wickedness, okay? And then the third thing is in the city, self, bless you, 
was supreme, okay? Self was, was the only thing that mattered to them. So I look at me, I don't have any responsibility for anybody else. So all those three things kind of go into each other. They're wicked, they're really good at arguing it, and they only care about themselves. So I'm leading you down a path to evil, right? Does that make sense? Cool. So kind of set up this amazing city, right? Um, and the reason Paul wrote this whole letter is in order to say, hey, don't be like the city that you live in, okay? Does that make sense? Sweet. So what this looked like, basically Paul was like writing this to correct them. It wasn't like, hey, you guys are doing a great job. Keep up the good work, right? He's like, you got some issues. We need to work these out. Um, so when I was in high school, I I was a, yes, I was. I can't say that, but I was the worst. I was bitter, angsty. Um, angry, all these things, but I was like really smart, okay? And so I had like all these bad things going for me, but I also like didn't, I wasn't, you know, I remember in eighth grade, Evanescence was a big deal, and they had like Evanescence had like these black wristbands, but they're armbands, they're sweatbands, and I was like, I need to get a bunch of those, those are awesome. But I never, I never quite made the plunge to being emo or whatever you want to call it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> But inside I was, don't, don't get me wrong, inside I was very emo, and I was like, yeah, this, is, this speaks to me, right? Um, and so, luckily, thank you, Jesus, I had people that loved me even though I was awful, okay? I was, I was no fun. Um, that's not true. I was pretty fun, but I was, I was angry, okay? So, people loved me, including my youth pastor. My youth pastor, okay, I'm going to tell two stories about people tonight, and when I say was, neither one of them are dead, and I always tell stories as if it sounds like they're dead. And I'm like, I don't mean that. I mean, they, they were that way, but they still are. So bear with me. His name was Andy. He was awesome. He is awesome. Okay, nothing's changed. <laughs> and this guy's, like, so incredible. Like, he's kind of a shorter guy, like, really big, like, into wrestling, but so gentle. Like, I saw him deal with, with girls, like, crying, and I'd be like, get away from me. But he, you know, he was, like, he's, like, comforting. He's super generous, like, always with his time, always made time for, like, students. Um, I'm actually, like, still pretty close to him. Um, two of his children are, like, some of my really close friends. Um, and so I was at his house all the time, always open his home. Like, you can spend the night, like, no big deal. And, and it was awesome, right? But he was so hard on me all the time oh my gosh this guy he would not let up and I was like always mad at him right and so there's this point I remember this one day I'm like at youth group and I think I'm you know playing four square dodgeball you know something super spiritual and and my friends come up and they're like dude Andy is looking for you and he is furious and I'm like oh my gosh like and I'm starting to get hot. Have you guys ever been so mad you, like, legitimately get hot? Okay. Uh, that was every day for me, okay? Just just know that. Um, it's so funny. Like, the Lord redeemed that so much. It's so cool. But I'm playing dodgeball, and I'm just like, I'm like, what does he want? I'm like, I'm not even doing anything wrong. You know, like, you're, you get into that, like, singing voice when you're so mad. You're just like, I'm not even doing it. So I'm like, there. I go find him. Like, you need to go check in with Andy. And I'm like, so I, like, throw the thing down, like, go find him. I'm like, what? What do you want? Right? Like, super respectful. Um, and, and he's like, oh, what are you doing? What are you, where have you been? And I was like, I'm in the gym. Like, what do, you, what do you think I'm doing? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I'm like I don't care. And he's like, I thought 
I thought some of your some of these people I, I noticed you were gone and I noticed some of these other people were gone. And so I figured I figured you had like taken them somewhere or something like that. And like y'all were up to no good. Basically that's what he thought, right? Which is perfectly understandable. Okay, trust me. He was like he was right in thinking that. Um but I wasn't, and that's why I was mad. I was like, I'm not even doing anything wrong today, you know, or like right now, <laughs> yet. Um, and and he's like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm just like, no, you're always this way. You always are so hard on me. You always, you always treat me different than everybody else, right? And I'm so mad at him. And I wish I could be like, oh, I understood after that. But I was still mad at him after I left. And he's like, look, people follow you. You don't understand. Like, people look to you. They follow what you're doing. If you have a bad attitude, they're going to have a bad attitude. If you have a good attitude, they're going to have a good attitude. That type of thing, okay? And I'm like, I don't care. That's not my fault that they do that, right? And he's like, no, it is because you are not thinking about it. You're not taking responsibility for other people, okay? And I'm like, whatever. I don't care. You know, I just like walk away. But that's like, that's the same thing Paul is saying to this church People are looking to this this whole church. The whole city is looking to them. What's right? What's wrong? Right? And they're not taking responsibility. They're not looking past themselves in order to make followers, right, of anybody. Does that make sense? So they didn't have responsibility. It even says, it's so stupid. Verse 8 says, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have become, you reign without us, right? You reign without God. (laughs) Excuse me. Um... And it's like basically like, look, you have all you want, but big deal. Look what you have. You don't have anything. So like when you're reading this, it's funny, like kind of the tone that you're reading it in. But if you think, if you think like he's he's not he's not happy, okay? Um, but he's being gentle, and he says it later on. He's like, look, if you want me to be gentle, or you want me to not be gentle, right? But he's saying, look, you already have all you want. Want more, right? want more, dream bigger type of thing. I want so much more for you. Jesus wants so much more for you, okay? And that's what he's saying to, like, this whole church. It's pretty cool, too. I realized, well, I'll say that in a second. Sean was talking about um, resurrection, and it was awesome. It was really, really good. Um, I have, like, three pages of notes from it, and I'm still thinking about everything that he said. But what did the Corinthian church say? They're like, we don't need to believe in the resurrection, right? Or we don't believe in it. That way, what? We don't have to be held accountable for it, right? If I say I don't believe in it, then you can't hold it against me, right? But they know this is right. And that's how they got here. That's how they got down this road. Um, and there's like a, it's a pretty sick quote. G. Campbell Morgan quote. I think it should be up there. Um, yeah. Oh, this is so cool. The church in Corinth, catching the spirit of Corinth, became anemic, weak, and failed to deliver the message of God to Corinth. The Church of God in London, invaded by the spirit of London, the materialism, militarism, sordidness, and selfishness of London is too weak to save London. And then actually, this isn't even in the same paragraph. It's way later on. But he says the church in Corinth failed because she was invaded by the spirit of the city, which she ought to have saved. That last part freaked me out. Okay? It freaked me out. And I was like, man, oh my gosh. So the spirit of Corinth looked like those three things I said, right? Y'all remember? You don't have to listen to me or anything, but just like think back. Um, and what happened was they took their eyes off of Jesus. They took their eyes off of who he, who he is and what he did for them, right? And so they were like, well, you know, we're going to start looking like the city, right? So very scary. 
Hawaii. That's like, oh, yeah, Corinth is a long time ago. London's far away, right? Think about it like this. How much, how much has the spirit of Morgantown invaded the church of Morgantown? Okay? How much has the spirit of God through the church gone out and influenced the city of Morgantown? Okay? So it matters to us today. All right? So, also, cool note. I was like, man, does this even matter to anybody? Yes, because who did Paul wrote this letter to? Write this letter to? Corinthians, the pastor at the church of Corinth, right? Just that guy, right? The deacon board? Nope. <laughs> the whole church, yeah. So when you think about that, he's talking about the body of Christ in this entire city, right? That's cool. That's really cool. And, man, I was thinking, I was like, man, Corinth is so much like Morgantown. I love Morgantown. But it can be redeemed, right? Thank you, Jesus. So we're talking about apostles. To have the right view of apostles, we have to have we have to go back to the central idea of the cross. Okay? What Jesus did for us and who he is right now. Okay? So apostles, apostles. Are we apostles? Talks about apostles in here, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Apostleship. Okay? So this isn't the right verse. I don't, you, you can put it up there. It's not right. Um, that's not it. And I, I was like, what the heck? Like, where is it? And I hate doing that. I hate doing that. I forgot to look for it too. But it's Matthew 5. It's like right around here. It's Matthew 5 something. I'm going to look for it because it's important. And I want you to see it. Sorry. No, it's Matthew 10. Okay. It's right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Okay, it's Matthew 10, 1. And he called them. Okay, basically, Jesus calls his disciples. You can write that down if you're like, I need to know what reference it is. Um, it's Matthew 10, 1, not 10, 5. Okay. What Jesus does, it's such a cool story. He, like, goes, and he's got all these disciples um, following him, and, like, way more than the 12 disciples, right? <laughs> if y'all didn't know that, like, go read your Bible. But um, it's way more. And so he, did, he brings his disciples to him, and he's like, y'all, because he, he's from Texas. He says, y'all, I have a mission for you, okay? I have a mission for you. And he's like, go out. I'm going to give you power to do two things. You're going to be able to cast out demons, and you're going to be able to heal people, right? This would be so tight. I'd be like, let's go. <laughs> I'd also be afraid. But if Jesus did it, then I'd be like, all right, cool. But right after that, the people that went, do you know what he called them? Apostles. There we go. Good job. So apostle, apostle means to, to send out or sent out one. Pretty cool information because do you all know what church means? ETSA? Called out ones. Boom. Thank you, Jeff. Um, church means called out ones. So you could be like, oh, that's pretty much the same thing. If you're like me, you'd be like, that's not the same thing. Wh what does this mean? Okay. Um, so think about it this way. Who here is in, if that's enough for you, I'm going to even go one step further. Sorry. Who here is in small group? I like to see. <laughs> Matt's excited about it. So when you go to small group, this is what my small group experience looked like, okay? 
I actually wasn't even in small group for like the fir for like the, almost the whole first semester, but I was in small group for sure. Um, my small group leader, I'm like sitting there. He's awesome. His name's Woolhouse. I love him. And this guy would talk about Jesus as if he knew him all the time. And I was like, what the heck? Like, this guy, what do you mean you, like, hung out with Jesus earlier? You know, you're like, what is going on? Um, and he, he's talking about love. And you you probably, all right, so y'all are probably sitting in a small group. And you're like, all right, love is unselfish. He's using for the last guy. Okay, I know that. Right? So, but what does that mean? And then you're, like, sitting there, and you're thinking about love. And you're like, man. I was thinking about today. It's so cool. You're in small group. Your small group leader's talking about love. This happened to me. I realized at one point, I'm like, man, this guy really loves me, right? Or this girl really loves me, whatever. And then you're like, oh, my gosh. I have friends because this person loves me, right? That's so cool. And then you think, oh, dang, I need to go out. There's people that I could love. There's other people, basically, is what you realize. And then you start to see that, and you're like, I could go love these other people. And then you start thinking about people, people that sit next to you in astronomy or your professors or people in your family, okay? There's always these people that you can love. And then you're like, all right, so I know I should love people, right? And then you're, like, sitting there, and you're like, you kind of, like, you kind of get this thing going, right? You're like, I can't sit anymore. I got to do something. Yeah, yeah. You're like, let's go. That's called, or it happens with like devotional life. Someone starts talking about a book. So like four people in here right now are reading Mere Christianity. Is that right? It, that book's awesome, okay? I'm reading that book again. Um, people talk about devotional life, and you're like, man, I got to read this book. Well, why is a person freaking out about a stupid book, right? Or, you know, you're talking about prayer and all these things. And when you start... When it, when it moves from hearing about it, okay, into I can't help but do this anymore. I can't help. I have to do this. Let's call it a conviction, okay? Let's call it a conviction. And what we say is what God does in me, he wants to do through me, okay? What God does in me, he wants to do through me. Sometimes we say that and we don't explain it. Hopefully, I explained it, and then I said it. Hopefully, that made sense. You have to develop these convictions, okay? So, when those convictions are developed, you basically start to understand that Jesus is building a godly character in you. When you, when you listen to those convictions, you go out and do them. That's how God develops, like, his character inside you, okay? What he does in you, he wants to do through you. He's doing it, right? So, when you, when you develop a godly character, you stop, you stop, like, you start to get disillusioned by the spirit of the city, okay? It doesn't mean anything anymore. You see through it. Does that make sense? You see reality for what it really is. I like such a sick talk about this the other day. It's not done yet, but Lucas is a smart man. So is Thomas. And uh, in Smart Group, we talked about it the other day. But, like, you look, when you, when you look to Jesus and you look to the cross and you start developing convictions, then you start to see what's real, okay? When this happens, um, a conviction typically that's developed, hopefully, is called humility, all right? So humility 
can also just be said um, a sober sense of reality, okay? So a sober, clear-minded sense of what reality is. And you're like, how does that have to do with humility? Humility just means not prideful. Um, no, 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 no. It means more than that. It means, so what it looks like with humility is understanding who you are and understanding who God is and understanding who other people are, okay? So I, what, this is what it looks like. I, I'm pretty fast, okay? I'm probably faster than most people in here. That's reality, okay? I say this sometimes, and there's always someone that says they are faster than me, and they are. But my track coach in high school used to, he taught me this lesson like no, like you could never be taught this before. It was awesome. He was like, Matt Thorne's very faster than me. It's true. I told him this at the beginning of the year. He raced me. It didn't smoke me, but he, he beat me. So my track coach told me, he's like, don't, okay, so you have track, right, and then you have field, right? Track and field. Very close. But thank you. Thank you. Um, cross country is not a sport. It is a idiotic thing that some people choose to do. Hey, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's not fun, but I digress. Um, here's the deal. I, when I was in track, my, my coach was like, he was like, Okay, so there's field people, right? And field people are typically bigger than me. I'm not very big. So, especially in high school. Um, so, they're, they're bigger. And so, he was like, don't ever, he was like, this is big dude, like discus player. He was Samoan. I don't know, like, The Rock is Samoan. But this guy was like, The Rock, and then some pizza, and then also some, like, donuts. So he was, like, he was bigger than The Rock, but he was not The Rock. He was more like, like the fluff, kind of. Um, and he was, like, he was, like, Charles, would you ever race that guy? And I was, like, I was, like, what? He's, like, don't ever race that guy. And I'm just, like, okay, coach. Like, he's, he was crazy. But this lesson was, was awesome. And I was, like, why not? Of course I'm not going to race that guy. He was, like, don't ever race that guy. I'm, like, okay, I get it. And then he's, like, no, no, no. What if you race that guy? And I was like, uh, I'd, I'd win, right? No big deal. And he's like, exactly. If you race him and you beat him, right, and you're on the track team and no one's going to think anything, they're going to think you're a jerk, right? <laughs> if you race him and you lose, then you're going to look like you are terrible at everything. So that's humility. It's not thinking too highly of yourself and it's not thinking too lowly of yourself. It's a sober sense of reality. Does that make sense? Okay. So, when you develop this, Paul basically was explaining, hey, you need to have humility. As an apostle, you have to have humility. Okay? And the reason he was saying these things, it's so cool. In, um, in verse number 13, the second part of it, it says, we have become and still are like the scum of the world, right? And then you read that, and you're like, is that the Bible? Um, but it's like, it's so cool. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, okay? That's crazy. He's basically saying, if you're going to be an apostle like me, you need to become like the scum of the world, which is like, what? That's like, that doesn't mean, like, go do terrible things. But this is what he says. If you read this whole, like, list, I used to think this list was like, I was like, man, everybody in this church is awesome. And Paul kind of isn't, right, if you read that. But if you read it 
in the whole chapter, in the whole book, you're like, oh, man, he's saying compare yourself to me. I like he goes on and on. He says, I'm a fool in Christ. You're wise. I'm weak. You're strong. Right. What he's saying is, what are you doing? Right. You're puffed up. Okay. And so with humility, it means not being puffed up. It means having a sober sense of reality. And he doesn't say, oh, well, I'm Paul. I was born here, so I'm the scum of the earth. You know, he wasn't like, feel bad for me, anything like that. What did he say? He became the scum of the earth. How do you become something? You choose to do it, right? You choose to do that thing. So he, he chose to take the lowest place. Does that make sense? Cool. Well, you knew it was going to happen. Nate knew this was going to happen. Um, I was hanging out with my friend. There he is right there. The commissioner. One of my best friends. Samuel Logan Brangle. This dude, y'all, saved my butt. For real. Recently, okay? This dude this dude changed everything for me. Um, so he, he talks about this. And in, in ver- chapter 4, verse 1, it says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ. Okay? This is how one should regard us, not us, not me and Heather, not me and Sarah and Heather, us, right? The church, okay, the body of Christ. So cool. He said, this is how you should regard us as a servant of Christ, okay? And he said this, in when labor and service were a badge of inferiority and shame, Okay? So there was no like, like, hey, I went on a mission trip and I served some people. Then your family would be like, oh, wait, well, you did what? Like, they would not be happy with that. Or like, no WVU day of service. That would be like, that would be like, oh, they, they do that. Like, there's no pride in that, okay? In this age, they, there was, there was like, oh, you served someone? What's wrong with you? You're, you're gross. Like, get out of here, right? And that's what he's saying is like the scum of the earth. Does that make sense? And so another word for servant a better word for servant is slave. Thank you, Blake. Look at you. It's like I've talked about this for the past two months. Um, if you've spent any time with me, you've probably heard this. But, yeah, so it's not slaves, okay, like we think. It's not like Kunta Kinte or Roots or anything like that. Like this is a different kind of slavery. Um, and this is slavery that's described like the laws of this slavery. It's like two people got that joke. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so this, like, slavery was um, explained in the Old Testament, like, the, so that it didn't get out of hand, okay? So if you're like, well, slavery's terrible, and the Bible talks about it, so the Bible's terrible. Go read what the Bible says about it, okay? Or read this book, because it talks about it, too. Um, read both. You got time. So it says... This is what he's he's talking about the slavery then. He says, there was a law among the Hebrews that for sore poverty or debt or crime, one man might become the servant of another. So it's it's almost like like an idea of like welfare. Like you, to to pay off this debt, you can become a slave. Does that make sense? It's an option. Okay? It'd be a pretty cool option. But, especially if they lived in like Paris or something, you'd be like, yeah, I'll be a slave. Um, But, he could not be held in servitude beyond a certain point, okay? So after six years, he must be allowed to go free, okay? So you can't, you can't just go ahead and be like, hey, you're my slave forever. You're like, yeah, you can be my slave till you pay it off, right? Be reasonable, okay? 
God's always reasonable. But if he loved his master and preferred to remain with him as a slave, then the master in the presence of judges was to place the man against a door or doorpost and bore a hole through his ear. And this was to be the mark that he was his master's servant forever. Okay? It's pretty crazy. You're like, why would you want to be, you know, maybe that master, like, was really good at cooking or something. You're like, yeah. Or, or like, if you didn't have any skills, you could just be a slave. You're like, you're like, oh, I'm learning how to build. I might as well just keep doing this, right? It's, like, pretty cool. So this is what, this is what Paul means. Apostles are to be regarded as slaves of Christ. Okay? Now that you've heard all that. It was not a slavery of compulsion and law, but the willing and glad slavery of love. Okay? So, Paul wrote this whole thing as apostles. I'm sorry, I'm not even paying attention to this at all. Um, thank you. You're doing great. Um, Paul is writing these things as two apostles and saying, join with me in this, okay? Join with me as the scum of the earth, right? Let's go, let's go take the lowest place, right? It kind of sounds funny. It kind of sounds crazy. But if you think about what he's saying is like, look, I did this, right? And because I did this, your church and this church and this church and this church and this church, basically, you could say it like this, because I did this, this city knows Jesus, this city knows Jesus, this city knows Jesus, right? That's cool. Because I was made low, others could excel. That's what he's saying. And he says this, this is so cool. He says this in such a way that we can understand it, okay? So what is a big deal is leadership is not a position it's a disposition. Leadership is not a position. It's a disposition, okay? So I heard that the first time a couple years ago, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was, like, snapping, and I was, like, so excited. And then I was like, oh, that's awesome. Man, what's a disposition? <laughs> right? You're like, you're like, oh, I know that sounds awesome, but, like, what is that? Like, what's a motto? Allie, I thought about you. I knew you'd get that one. Thank you. Um, a disposition for everybody like me who fronts, okay? A disposition is a tendency to act in a specified way that might be learned or can be followed, okay? So you act in a certain way that someone can follow you. Does that make sense? Okay, so as a good leader... Think of, like, the coolest leader. Like, if this guy told me to do anything, I would just, I would leave everything. Like, see ya, every single, my family, my friends, everything's gone. I get to follow blank, right? Y'all think of someone? Okay, anyways. <laughs> You're like, I'm like, for me, it's like, man, if Aragorn was real and he came in here and he was like, hey, come follow me, I'd be like, like, see you, Katie. Um, <laughs> sick burn, JK. Um, would you do the same thing? Exactly. So this dude is awesome. Aragorn, man, he's the king. I, if y'all don't like Lord of the Rings, y'all haven't seen it for one. And 
You don't understand. So he's so cool. Aslan, all these guys that you were just like, oh, my gosh, man. If that guy told me to follow him, I would be there, right? This big old lion, bigger than any other lion, comes in, and you're like, I'm, like, kind of getting the goosebumps. I was like, this would be awesome. Um, but why are they such great leaders? Aragorn's a king. Aslan's a lion. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. But Aragorn's a king. You're not going to follow him. It doesn't make any sense to follow him because he's a king, right? That doesn't make any sense. That's not able. That's not a disposition. Does that make sense? That can't be followed. That can't be, that can't be replicated or anything. It can't be learned. You can't learn to be a king. If you're not a king, you're done. You know, like, oops, you, you can be this, but that's it. So when we say all these things, a disposition is what Jesus did, okay? Philippians, it's a long verse, basically just going to talk about one of them. It says, Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, okay? But he emptied himself in order to be like us, okay? He took what we were saying, the lowest position, right? He took the lowest place. He did this over and over and over. First of all, I did it when he came. Micah, Micah, we were talking about this the other day, and it got me pumped. We were talking about this verse. Whatever. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, right? That's so cool. He did, he's God. He could have been like Aslan, like literally like him. And he comes in, and he's like, hey, follow me. And you'd be like, yeah, okay. But what did he do? He taught us how to be more like him, right? He gave us his character. He gave us his spirit. All these things because he chose and he, and he knew that leadership wasn't a position. It was a disposition. So what does this mean? What can we do with this? If God is willing to humble himself in order to love me, then I can humble myself in order to love others, right? So sweet, so sweet. So, almost done. Uh, y'all can come up here. Um, not everybody. You know who. Um, you guys, like, I had, okay, so I had this friend. <laughs> his actual name was JC. I'm not trying to be like, yeah, it was Jesus in the end. Like, it's super lame. Uh, his name was JC, <laughs> and... Dude, this guy's, like, so cool. He's from Louisiana. Um, he was my roommate. I think I, I was trying to figure out. I don't remember when he was my roommate. He was my roommate for three years, so a long time. And, man, this guy was, like, he was different, okay? He was, like, he he moved in, and all of a sudden I just, like, started noticing things about him, okay? He was, like, super different in the way that he, like, talked about people, He the way that he joked, the way that he treated, like, our roommates, the way that he treated me, okay? And so he, nothing was, I don't want to say this wrong, nothing, he was not too good for anything, okay? Like he he would do any job, whether it was cleaning up dishes that he made dirty, whether it was cleaning up dishes that I made dirty, um, or anybody else in the house. We live with like five guys in like a three-bedroom house. It was crazy. Um, but this dude, like he loved people. And it was, it was weird. Like, he loved people too much almost. <laughs> and, and I was, like, living with him, and I would get frustrated. I was like, hey, let me clean this up. And he's like, no, 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 I got it. And, uh, and I'm like, no, dude, I, I got this. And he's like, no, 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 that's fine. 
And he's like one of those guys like that doesn't argue. He just kind of puts his hand up, and you're like, "All right, man, like fine," you know. Um, <laughs> and he call, he has he's like from Louisiana, so he has this like kind of like Cajun accent, which no one here knows what that is, but uh, except like people from Texas or the South, all right. Um, and he's like, he called me Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Um, and uh, and he's like, Charlie, it's okay. And I'm like, All right, dude. And I like felt bad. And so I'm like living. I'm living with this guy, like living life, watching him, and he. His small group, y'all, his small group was, like, full of guys that, like, nobody else wanted to hang out with, okay? Like, at all, like, just being for real, y'all, like, he, his friends, the people that we would choose to hang out with were not popular, okay? And he, and so I, like, I recognized all these things. I was like, but in my mind, I was like, his small group's lame. This guy's weird, you know? But I didn't realize until one day he, and it was so cool. So we shared a room, and I, he slept on this, like, huge couch, um, and I slept in the loft bed, and so I was, like, sitting on the ground, and I was, like, talking to him, and I was, like, he liked this girl, and I'm, like, dude, you gotta go for it, like, you gotta go for it, I'm pretty sure she said yes, but it doesn't matter, you gotta go for it, which is, like, not good, and, and he's, like, no, 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 and I'm, like, dude, you, you got this, you got this, you're a good-looking guy, like, say, you're, like, you're smart, you're strong, like, all this stuff, right, and, like, pumping him up, and he, like, he's not taking it. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, dude, so-and-so, I don't even remember who this girl was or him, but he was like, so-and-so likes her. And I was like, okay, dude, you're way better looking than him. Like, you're so much cooler than that guy, right? And, and he's like, nah. He's like, nah. He's like, you know what? It's healthy to bow. And I'm just like, I'm like, dude. What does that mean, right? Uh, like that sounds cool. It must have been some from from some book you read. And he's like, "No, nah, Charlie, it's healthy to bow." <laughs> and y'all, he wasn't telling me it was healthy to bow. He really was telling himself that it was healthy to bow. He was saying, "Look, when I take the lowest place, when I become a servant, other people can rise." Okay. When I love, when I follow Jesus' lead in washing his disciples' feet, go read that story if you want to cry, y'all. <laughs> that story's crazy. After you understand this stuff, you're like, what is he doing? Um, but JC understood this truth. He said it's healthy to bow. And, like, I thought about it, and I looked back, and I'm like, man, he loved guys that nobody else wanted to love. So that other people could have like cool small groups. He didn't say stuff. He let other people say stuff. He pumped other people up so that they could seem like a big deal instead of him. Right? He understood that it was healthy to bow. He understood that if he took the lowest place, others could excel and be made high. Right? So cool. So. What is this? What can we do with this? Hopefully, as I'm saying all this stuff, the Lord's like speaking to you about something, right? Humility, right? What can I give up? What can I start doing? It's not always about giving something up, um, but it can. It's like, oh man, I, I need to do this, right? What God does in me, He wants to do through me. Okay, what's the last thing He talked to you about? It could be. There's nothing like too small. It could be like, oh man, I'm supposed to put my shoes in my closet because my roommate doesn't like it when I don't do that or something you know like it could be something that little or it could be little 
Um, it's obedience, so it's actually a big deal. Um, or it could be, you know, like, I never pray. Or I know that it's a big deal to pray, but I don't do it, right? Or spend time with Jesus. Or, y'all, the summer's coming up. Humility. You know where the hardest part to do humility is? Place? Home. You go home. You're with your family. And they're going to they're gonna be like, oh, yeah, you talk a lot. You say you change. You say you go to Chi Alpha, right? You say you read this. You say you read that. Prove it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not about proving it to them. It's about taking the position, the lowest place, in order that your family can be made high, in order that Jordan, man, (laughs) Jordan, you did this at your house. You, like, went home. You made Kai Alpha a big deal. You made Jesus a big deal, and now your family's getting saved. That's crazy, y'all. That's what you can see this happen. So apostleship is for all of us. Um, We're going to sing some songs. Pray about it. Ask the Lord, like, Jesus, like, what do you want me? How can I do this? How can I, how can I take the lowest place, right? So, yeah, we'll pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord God, thank you for this lesson, Father God. It's not easy. Um, it's not easy to talk about, but it's like, it's like practical. So, Father God, would you, would you speak practically to us? Um, show us show us how to take and where to take the lowest place so that others can be lifted high, Father. We love you, Lord. We worship you, Father. In your prayer, amen.